Body, Mind, Spirit Radio, your life connection to the information for a healthy body, an enlightened mind, and a renewed spirit. Welcome to Sacred Sexuality with Leslie Blackburn. Straight talk, enthusiastic support, and heartfelt encouragement for you to open up to your sacred sexuality. And now your host, Leslie Blackburn. Thank you, my love. Ah, here we are. I'm excited. I'm excited. I'm nervous. This is great. All right. So I'm excited and honored to be hosting this show once again this month. Um, Each month we include some meditations, discussion, education, awareness on facets of our sexuality and consciousness that many of us just don't get that chance to openly explore. And this has in the past included stories of my own path. Um, offerings on how to experience pleasure, bliss, ways to notice and shift when you're sabotaging yourself and your own ability to feel pleasure. And what we're opening into today, I'm super excited about because we're going to be bringing on an amazing special guest, Adrienne Marie Brown. So we're going to share more about Adrienne in just a moment. First, as always, let's settle in, take a few breaths and plug into our body. Hmm, inviting wherever you are as you're joining us this beautiful, sweet day to take a breath, (sighs) invite and exhale with some sound, feel your body, your breath, take a moment to turn your awareness inward. Often in our days, our awareness is very outward and interacting What's it like to notice for a moment your body, this exquisite gift? As we are an infinite being in a finite form, we get to be here in a body. And I'll invite, just take a moment to feel and notice your pelvis, your pelvic bowl, its relationship with the earth, with support, with any way you're seated or lying down. How's it relating to support to earth right now? Can you make any adjustments to feel support? And then noticing and scanning down through the body, acknowledging your midline and creating any space or light as you notice the crown of the head, the centers of the brain, the roof of the mouth, Behind the heart, the diaphragm, the belly, pelvic bowl, the womb space, pelvic floor, sits bones, leg bones in the hip sockets, lower legs, heel bones, soles of the feet, tips of each toe. And inviting your root system from your pelvic floor and the soles of your feet to spiral down through the structures you're seated on through the structures of the space you're in, down into the foundation, and into the earth, allowing your roots to wrap around the central core. 
Ooh, and deep gratitude to V who inspired that practice for me and as I've embodied and offer it in this moment, I thank you. And as you now feel in your body and notice, take a breath of gratitude for yourself, for taking time for you, perhaps for opening to new possibilities, for feeling, being. As you gently widen your awareness to feel the space around you, above, behind. And over the next breath, opening your eyes to come back into the visual space and the here and now. Great. Yay. So what we're exploring today, as I touched on, I'm super excited. I am going to be, today we're going to be talking with Adrienne Marie Brown. Adrienne is the author of Emergent Strategy, Shaping Change, Changing Worlds, and Pleasure Activism, The Politics of Feeling Good. And she's the co-editor of Octavia's Brood, Science Fiction from Social Justice Movements. She's a writer, social justice facilitator, pleasure activist, healer, and doula, living right here in Detroit. Brown has been facilitating professionally for over 15 years and has worked with hundreds of organizations at all levels of scale, including informal collectives, foundations, national networks, and more. She's the co-host of the How to Survive the End of the World podcast. Adrian, hi, welcome. Hi, Leslie, how are you doing? Pretty good, how are you? Um, I'm feeling really good. I had a really sweet weekend. Um, like, I actually took the weekend this weekend um, as a mm. weekend, which uh, <laughs> is very rare in my life. Um, because the structure of the organizing world is such that people often like the meetings I facilitate or the offerings I do happen over the course of the weekend, and then there's still regular work. So I was supposed to be at some meeting this past weekend, and I found out I didn't have to go. And I laid in bed. I cooked for myself. I checked out two different new dispensaries in Detroit. I went Mm. down to the river. I finished caught up on Love Island. <laughs> mm. It was just like a really dreamy, relaxing time. My little, I have a little nibbling that lives upstairs for me um, who is in a new practice of just blasting open through the door. <laughs> she oh, wow. down And like opened the door and crawled into bed with me like, hi, auntie. Here's what my day is going to be like. <laughs> like. This is a good life. This is a good life. Yeah. Oh about my you? gosh! How was your weekend? That's so beautiful. My my weekend has been um, also like I had the little spaciousness, and it's been in a in a time of I've had some like who major major shifts and changes in the world of the the way ah. the trajectory that I thought was happening. Um, and as we were uh, as I was meeting all that, I was having you know this really actually quite divine journey of grief, which was really sweet and opened up some um, pretty profound, like letting go and letting the, you know, to me, grief and like the path of grief is is like a portal to feeling and to to being and to being in pleasure. Yeah. 
And uh, yeah, so there was a lot of that that I held this weekend and then um, some self-care around that. So it was very sweet. Good. Good. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Tender. 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 Yeah. Very tender and very profound. And, um, yeah. and it's so great because I just heard you kind of touch into the very <laughs> kind of my first question. I saw you recently. Um, post a little bit um, hashtag pleasure report like you know like checking in on what is this what is the the sharing on radical gratitude and joy that we can start with and yeah Yeah. is there anything else you want to share about that as we begin yeah well you know it's I feel like um, since 2016 since the 2016 election I've really been mindful of like what are all the ways that we could create a different energy in the spaces where we're getting to intentionally make community with each other. And, you know, the social social media sphere has been one. Since I've been on social media, for the most part, I've been very tied into, like, how do I use this to uplift good news, uplift and bring pleasure and beauty to people? Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, there's a lot of folks who are like, let me repost every horrific thing that's happening. And I'm like, I trust that the news is getting out there. So how can mm-hmm. I uplift, like, here's what people are doing or, here, you know, here's what you can do, stuff like that. But then I'm also, like, it feels really important and political to me to be able to witness the pleasure, to be witnessed in my own pleasure as a, as a black woman living in this time and then to witness the pleasure of others, um, particularly those who would appear to the outside eye or to the unknowing eye to be oppressed or marginalized or, you know, um, you know, I think about like immigrants right now and how this is such a scary time and it's also a time where there's babies being born and brilliant love. People are falling in love every single day mm-hmm. and trying to figure mm-hmm. out how to navigate that love with, you know, ice around waiting to split up a family. Like there's still pleasure and the bravery it takes to still foment pleasure and still focus on it and generate it um, even when there's such threat to still create family and connection is so powerful to me. Um, so I got really inspired after these protests in Puerto Rico um, that, you know, where there was so much pleasure woven into how the protests were being done. And I got so inspired by that. And I was like, you know, we are living in the belly of the beast. And there's a lot of days where it's just like I'm so ashamed of this country and embarrassed by every single thing that's happening here. But then it's also important to remember and to report out like, oh, and there's still radical black joy happening in this house. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, I'm really paying attention to curating and cultivating that and that all the children around me, every child who witnesses me is seeing like, oh, there, there's a joyful black woman alive. Like whatever is out there has not killed this spirit. Oh, yes. I feel that mm-hmm. so strongly. And the, what I see you in, in that offering is, is this sense of belonging in the place of that, right? Like, oh, hey, yes, mm-hmm. there's this black woman and her joy. And that I think that's part of what's going on with some of the terror and the horrific actions that are happening is like with the current administration in office, there's a sense of like belonging that can happen with, with those viewpoints um, because, you know, mm-hmm. hey, the top dude has them. So, hey, we can be out there and be bigger because of that sense of belonging. And I really right. like, hold this, yeah, hold this joy of like, no, let's create other ways, public ways of belonging. Oh, thank you for that. Yeah. And, well, and you know what's so interesting is I don't know, you know, I think about this often, and I'm not convinced that you can ever truly have belonging if your sense of belonging is based on 
the exclusion of someone else, right? Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. that exclusion, the machine of exclusion constantly needs to be fed, right? In order to mm. keep working, there constantly needs to be new exclusion. And so eventually you end up with no one there but you and who you belong to then, right? And so wow. I really wow. think there's yeah. something for me about, oh, how do I how do I create a belonging that is invitational? And I feel like I'm learning a lot about this from watching you know, an artist like Lizzo right now where, you know, when I listen to Lizzo's music, I'm like, this is a badass black bitch. She's talking to me specifically. This is for us thick black women, right? Like, that's how I feel. Mm -hmm. And then I went to her concert in Chicago, and the room was almost all white women um, and gay white men and, like, just all these other people who were also just, like, singing every single word from the, you know, Mm -hmm. depths of their hearts. And I was just like, she is here to receive whoever is listening to the message, right? Like she is like, look, this belonging, like we all need to generate this belonging. We all need to feel that. And it's reminding me, like I used to feel that way. Like I used to feel like that. Like I used to feel like, oh, I want everyone to have this. And as I've gotten older, I can see the ways in which my, my energy is shifting. Like I'm like, I'm focused on black people. And I'm like, I am focused on black people, but I also recognize that the entire world benefits from people experiencing joy. And I think that the entire world suffers from people experiencing terror or disconnection or non-belonging. I think that's how you end up with people shooting up um, Walmart, right, which is also what happened this past weekend is that in my hometown of El Paso, someone entered a Walmart and started shooting in this this week that kids are in there shopping to prepare for school. And Mm. it's like what kind of break has to happen between a human being and their species in order to take such an action. That's the ultimate non-belonging. Like, that's not a show of power, right? Um, And it's not anything that this administration should be proud of, um, but it's definitely a result of their their beliefs. Mm. Wow. Mm -hmm. Yeah, thank you so much for sharing a bit about that and bringing to the Mm -hmm. awareness, bringing awareness to the, the pieces that have happened quite recently and, and um, and actually, that that brings me to another question that that feels. Um, first of all, I'll say, I'll just say, like, there's this piece of me that's sitting here, like, ooh, super starstruck and geeked out, because like the first time I met you oh. was <laughs> at your Detroit gig at in the public uh-huh. library in Detroit, and I got to get oh, this, like, yes. I totally geeked out and got this selfie with you, and it was just great. And you were so <laughs> geeked out. I remember that was so sweet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and um, what as I come to this work, as as I like, frankly, just as a forty-eight-year-old white woman myself, like waking the fuck up in the past, in particular, even year, and having my own like shyness around, oh, wow. like, holy cow, how has some of this yeah. not come into in sooner? But then just going, all right, like one step at a time, and I'm rolling. And so, like even activism is newer to me, like to be in that, in that work, to be in that movement. And, and I know it is for others. And I want to open the gates for that a little bit for like, if anyone else had the shyness around, like, I don't even know exactly what I can do or, but like, could you say a few words around like pleasure activism and especially like the connection that, you know, like how do they come together? Well, I feel like, um, there's a few things, you know, I think that to me, part of living uh, in a world where it's like, oh, I want to access pleasure and care and like my body and all those things is it's very easy if you have privilege 
to have that flow along the lines of, of privilege, right? Mm-hmm. To just be like, yeah. oh, like, I want this, and <laughs> this is what I, you know, now I'm going to have it or whatever. Um, and so a big part of pleasure activism is talking about that moment of awakening to, like, I'm not the only person on earth, and my pleasure is not the penultimate experience that everyone should be invested in. And actually, in those places where I have more privilege, part of my work is to be relinquishing and redistributing that privilege, that power to other places. And folks, you know, this is one that people like theoretically. <laughs> people love the idea of like, yes, we're all one, you know, like that kind of thing. But then mm-hmm. when it's actually like, um, you know, oh, there's something I would have to give up, that's where people start to get a little frustrated or a little like, oh, I don't know. And for me, I'm like, I don't think it's a giving up. I think that it's a redistribution. And I think that it yields ultimately a bigger abundance, right? Mm. So one of the things I've said is where we are born into privilege, we are charged with dismantling any myth of supremacy. And where we are born Mm. into struggle, we are charged with claiming our dignity, joy, and liberation. And I think that in each person, we have parts of both of these or all of these, right? And there's very few people who are are in the zone of being um, oppressed in every single realm of identity. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? So mm-hmm. for most of us, yep. it's like, oh, there's parts where I'm the privileged person and there's parts where someone else is the privileged person or in that privileged place and vice versa. And so in those spaces, how do I not, how do I not indulge in the supremacy? Like I deserve this and no one else does, or I deserve this more than someone else does. And instead lean into like pleasure is so fantastic. And I want to open the way for as many people as possible to experience it. That's mm. the, that's to me the, the shifting point. And that's where we start to imagine futures in which uh, we're not bound together by our common suffering against a common enemy, for instance, but bound together by something deeper, which is, that miraculous experience of being alive and on purpose, um, which I find to be quite irresistible. And so when, mm. I, when people are, like, just waking up into organizing and activism, a lot of times they're also waking up to the pleasure of being on the right side of history, which is a very distinct and delightful thing, right? When you're like, oh, snap, like, white supremacy is not the way. This feels good to realize yeah. that. Realize, like, I don't have to keep participating. Like, there's a really beautiful feeling there. It's often closely followed by, oh, shit, like, I'm racist, though, you know? <laughs> like, like, that means I must be racist or I'm embodying that or whatever. And so I think there's this dance that happens for the first few years of political awakening of, like, I got it. Mm-hmm. Oh, wait, I'm still messing up. Oh, wait, I got it. And mm-hmm. I think if you, the longer you can kind of keep a beginner's mind of, like, I've, I've read the work, you know? Like, I feel like this all the time. I've read the work. I've exposed myself to the ideas, and we're still not free yet. So mm-hmm. I'm going to continue engaging in experiments that generate more freedom for myself and my people. I'm going to try not to get too locked into, like, one way of thinking. And there's certain stuff that starts to emerge and, and you want to pay attention to. One of those is the quote from Grace Lee Boggs that I say all the time, which is to transform yourself to transform the world. Because so often mm-hmm. when we're first politicized, yeah. we want to run and tell other people, like, you're not feminist enough or here's how you're patriarchal or whatever it is, you know? And mm-hmm. I think the first moves and the first several years of moves have to be that turning inward and looking at, you know, what are the front lines of oppression that have taken up residence inside my perception, inside my heart, inside who I think 
I can love, inside who I turn to as a friend, inside who I can take leadership from, um, where are the front lines in my heart and how can I soften and, and grow in those realms and then you know, eventually you get to a place where you can possibly tell other people about stuff. But, you know, I still feel like I'm on the edge of that one. And I've been doing the work for a long time. And I, it's very rare that I'm like, you know, and when I do it, it's, I do it in a big bombastic way. Like, I'm just like, we need to relinquish patriarchy. Here's what I want to say to men. You know, like, I go way overboard because it's like so hard for me to get the juice up to just tell somebody about themselves. Um, but this year, men have benefited from the fact that there's just been it's just a lot of bad behavior. <laughs> yeah. And it's just like, I got to say something. I got to say something at a different, you know, I, I love enough men. Um, and I've loved enough men. You know, I've been, I've been helping several men in my life grow up. And I love the piece, you know, the pieces. I love all the parts and pieces and bits and, and the mess. And I'm like, I see y'all. You know, we're, mm. we're, I'm not leaving you back there. <laughs> I'm not leaving you on the battleground. So come on. Yeah. Yeah. Mm, that that um, as you say all that, it just really reminds me of um, sinking in with your podcast recently. Which piece was Yay. it? And there was yeah, there was <laughs> this place. There was this place where I went, oh, I feel that there's this um, intimacy or the invitation. Here, I'm gonna actually. There was this You're invitation. Like, I've got Where a note. are my notes? <laughs> I had a note. I had a note on my that one. <laughs> uh-huh. We do the same thing for the podcast all the time. I'm like, I literally wrote down the thought that I need to have right now, but I cannot find it. So. <laughs> I'm so glad you can relate to that. Yes. <laughs> it makes me feel good. Um, the softening. Um, yeah, you were actually, so it was an idea on becoming vulnerable enough together to hear it. Um, yeah, that starting at the global level, but start small. And what, what I translated that to be in my, like, I heard you say, can we become vulnerable enough to get together to hear it? That like in my work, um, I, it's about like creating intimacy so we can be vulnerable to hear the other side. And I often work with, um, a lot of folks, even a lot of folks directly in the demographic of cisgendered white men. And like, can we, you know, seeing the way that even in their 60s, there are white men waking up to realize that they can make a change and it's not too late and they're willing to do the work. And I'm seeing it, like, granted, one at a time, slow, but it's happening. And, they, like, I'm, I was really inspired by the way you offered that, like, hey, you know, can we soften enough? Like, I just want to just really um, share some gratitude for that. Can we soften mm-hmm. it en- enough? And that I see that as yes. the sense of, can we create intimacy and connection in such a way that when that's appropriate and right and held in, in, in a container that feels clear for the person, the people in it, that we can now invite change and see that that requires a softening yeah. and a vulnerability. Yeah, yeah. And it's so counter to what you want to do, right? Like I, I, yeah. it, it never ceases to amaze me. And this is like, this is my work. You know, I spend all my time thinking about this and trying to generate spaces of deep vulnerability for, <laughs> for and with people. And it never ceases to amaze me how when I'm feeling something really big, I still have the move to like, or I still feel the move inside of me that's like, okay, now just get it together, tighten it up, get really rigid, take total control, 
and blah, 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 you know, like, and it's hilarious. My loved ones can tell you that, like, when I'm being really vulnerable, it sounds like I'm flinging arrows, right? Like, I'm just like, I just think we should fall in love, you know, it's just like the most ridiculous thing, you know, the most ridiculous way of being, and I have to constantly be reminded, like, often, it's okay. <laughs> like, oh. You're not in charge, you know, because it takes a lot of softness to, like, I, have you ever, you know, when you're going into the ocean, right, like, go, you know, like, I'm approaching the ocean, and you know, in L.A., mm-hmm. right, where the waves are really actually popping, and that feeling of just getting, like, knocked over, thoroughly knocked yeah. over by the waves, and how, in order to survive it, you can't resist the waves. Like, if you resist the waves, you're just going to have a really horrible time, and you're going to get water up your nose. But if you just can soften and release and let the water move you and then, you know, kind of slow yourself back up to the surface, you're fine, right? Or even if you dive mm-hmm. into it, you can make it through. And so I think about that often in my life where I'm like, oh, I just got knocked the fuck over by these waves. But next uh. time I can remember, double dutch, dance it out, you know, and most of the time I still get knocked over, but I'm more and more aware each time that I get knocked over that there's another way. <laughs> oh, my gosh. That's such a great analogy. Yeah. I can Thanks. feel it. Like, my body's like, I'm like, yeah, the flow, the waves. What a good reminder for me from this past weekend. Great. <laughs> yeah. Yes, because, you know, I love that I was watching Moana again recently with one of my nibblings. Mm. And, like, when she first tries to go out and cross the breaker, you know, and mm-hmm. the breaking waves, and she gets knocked out of her boat, and her foot gets caught, and you know the whole thing, right? It's just like, oh right, like you have to learn how to fall. You have to always <laughs> learn how to fall and how to surrender, and that's the part that like no one wants to take a class in that. <laughs> mm. Mm. Thank you, thank you. Oh my yeah. gosh. Okay, I'm. This is so great. I'm loving continuing this role with you, and we got so much more. And we're gonna take just a short, great. short little pause. And give a little space, uh-huh. and we're gonna be. Yeah, we're gonna be coming right back. You are listening to Body Mind Spirit Radio. Today is Tuesday, August 20th, 2019, and you are listening to Sacred Sexuality with Leslie Blackburn and special guest Adrian Marie Brown. Adrian Marie Brown is author of Emergent Strategy, Shaping Change, Changing Worlds, and Pleasure Activism, The Politics of Feeling Good, and the co-editor of Octavia's Brood, Science Fiction from Social Justice Movements. She is a writer, social justice facilitator, pleasure activist, healer, and doula living in Detroit. Brown has been facilitating professionally for over 15 years and has worked with hundreds of organizations at all levels of scale, including informal collectives, foundations, national networks, and more. She is the co-host of the How to Survive the End of the World podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. And now back to your host, Leslie Blackburn. and sacred sexuality and the journey of vulnerability and feeling. Um, There's so many things that I want to ask you (laughs) and I've been Mm. so inspired by your work. 
I want to sink into feeling like what our next piece may be. And um, I think, I think I want to come back to like, as we were talking about pleasure there's a piece of pleasure that I think sometimes gets confused around like pleasure being like, Oh yeah, this really self-serving thing on this upper layer of like what I call kind of dancing on the surface of pleasure. And Mm -hmm. that pleasure actually is a really deep process of embodiment to me. It's, and I know you've had a lot of work and influence with somatics and being in the body and a journey to me, the journey of really deeply listening to the body is what the work is all about. And I'm curious if you, if there's anything you want to share about your journey of feeling and even suggestions or thoughts for folks around like waking that up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I appreciate that. I do feel like, um, I mean, a couple of things. One is I wrestled with this. I have wrestled with this a lot, you know, the ways that people orient towards pleasure. Um, and a lot of it I take to mean that people are just really, 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 um, how do you say, repressed, deeply repressed when it comes to pleasure. Um, And I think because people are so repressed when it comes to pleasure, it makes it really difficult for folks to understand that they're not, um, like when I say pleasure to someone, I'm not saying to them, listen, you, (laughs) um, it's just, just feel good, just make your skin feel good. You know what I mean? Like, just like yeah. that, that, that. And that's one of the things I tell people, I'm like, it's not hedonism, right? Mm-hmm. Like, it's not, um, or at least for me, it's really not hedonism. It's not the idea of, like, pleasure and no pain. It's more like, how do we get in touch? How do we use pleasure as an entry point for understanding that we're feeling so much all the time? And inside of all that feeling is data. And mm. that data is, like, really important for figuring out how to live the lives that we want rather than lives that are full of repression. So a couple of things that I have people do um, uh, throughout the book, there's this hot and heavy homework, hot and heavy homework. And a lot of it is really like tune into how you feel about this, tune into how you feel about that, you know, like reflect on this, reflect on that. And so one of the first exercises I have people do is to create a pleasure lineage. Um, Who taught you the ideas that you hold around pleasure? If you see pleasure as something other than happiness, joy, and contentment, which is the definition of pleasure, right? If you think Mm -hmm. it means something else, why? And examine that, right? And I like to push that back on people because I'm like, it's not my fault that you have a misinterpretation of pleasure. (laughs) Um, Mm -hmm. But someone created that for you. Um, And I always, you know, I say, who benefits from that? Who benefits from you feeling terrified of your own pleasure, right? There's, that's a, to me, I'm like, people should always ask that. Um, and a lot of the answer, especially for women, has been patriarchy, right? That patriarchy really benefits yeah. from us thinking that we don't deserve pleasure, that only someone else deserves pleasure, that we exist to pleasure someone else, um, that we should not have ownership over our bodies to experience pleasure or to handle there are consequences of what might come after pleasure. You know, so much of the abortion debate to me is related to that, right? Which is just sort of like, mm-hmm. so y'all want the, the right to have unprotected sex with women, but you don't want us to have the right to not have the children that might result from that. Because that's, mm-hmm. you know, I feel like I don't hear enough people talk about that, but mm-hmm. I'm like, the number mm-hmm. of times that I'm around men who are in soft or, or you know, sometimes subtle, sometimes more overt ways, 
are trying to pressure the women in their lives to have unprotected sex is wild to me. And I feel like I don't hear enough conversation about that still to this day. Um, but then being in a, in a space where it's like, oh, if people are being coerced, being pressured, whatever, to have sex, being raped, you know, having molestation, having incest, that we wouldn't have choice over our bodies. To me, it's all connected, right? So I'm like, okay, dig into that lineage. Dig into where those beliefs come from. They're not just random beliefs. They don't just come from the sky. Ideology is chosen and fomented and grown, and that's how we end up in the political situations that we're in today. So that's the first thing I have people do. A second is Mm -hmm. to actually drop into feeling, right? Like, Mm -hmm. and to, to have some practice each day that drops you into your feeling self, your feeling body. And I recommend often to people on the Healing Justice podcast, there's an interview with Sumitra, uh, one of the teachers from Generative Somatics, and she actually walks people through the basics of a centering practice. And mm. I really believe having that kind of a centering into feeling yourself, feeling your body, feeling what is, what, where is the pain in you, where is the pleasure, where is the freedom, where is there tension, learning to feel all of that and be like, well, what is the data of this? Are there adjustments I need to make with how I'm holding my body throughout the day? Are there adjustments I need to make in my water intake? Are there adjustments I need to make in terms of my sleep and my rest? What does my body actually need in order to do the miraculous work of being alive today? How can I partner Mm -hmm. with that miraculous work rather than, you know, we can often be actively working against our best interests and our health and our well-being with the choices that we're making throughout a day, Um, and especially the repression that we opt into throughout a day. Like the number of times that I talk to people, I'm like, oh, well, you swallowed all of your needs and all of your desires, and you really contorted to make this other person happy. If that person's your boss or your partner or your mom or someone, you really contorted out of yourself. And so, of course, you feel sick now, right? You've been Mm, in this contortion for months, years, you know, hours, who knows, right? You've been in this contortion. And so a lot of the work is like, can you drop in? Can you feel are you in a contortion? If you are, can you feel your way out? Yoga, I think, can be really great for that, right? Like, just being like, oh, this is tight. How do I bring breath mm-hmm. here? That same move works for your spirit. Yeah. Mm. Mm-hmm. That same move works for your spirit. Breathing into it. Noticing. Breathe into mm. it. Yes. Yeah. Mm. yeah, thank you. Um. Mm-hmm. The other the other thing that um, as I'm again I'm going to just dip back in here. Um, there's another there's another piece. So I have a I have a good friend who teaches at um, Eastern Michigan University in women's uh, gender and women's studies, and she actually does a folk a, a class in prison. So I heard you as, as you and Autumn were sharing a bit on the a podcast. Um, about prison abolition and transformative justice. Um, mm-hmm. As as she's teaching this class, like she, it's this, it's called Inside Out Prison Exchange Program. And yeah, she teaches her, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, and, and so this is the one at uh, Women's Huron Valley Correctional Facility. She does her Intro to Gender and Sexuality class there, and um, she had a question. We were talking a little bit about. Um, I was like, okay, so I'm, I'm talking to Adrian, and like, what do you think? And she said, hey, here's a question. How do those incarcerated tap into pleasure activism? Or 
what are ways in which those are imprisoned, not just those in prison, can tap into this flow of pleasure and mm. pleasure activism? Yeah, this is, um, I love this question. I really respect it. I, I feel like this is one of the reasons why pleasure activism to me is so powerful, which is that it drops the idea that you actually need anything other than your body um, in order to experience pleasure, right? Mm-hmm. So unlike the messaging of capitalism, which is like you constantly be buying something outside of yourself to feel beautiful or to look beautiful or to be caring or whatever, right? Um, mm-hmm. Pleasure activism is just like if you just drop into your own system and focus, like put your attention on those things that feel good, inside of that you can experience pleasure activism. And I've heard of this coming out of, of prison. I've heard of this from so many people who find pleasure in the acts of caring for each other and protecting each other and offering each other shared reading, reading to each other. Um, you know, once you come across an idea that you love, sharing that with other people, um, finding the times and places where you can actually feel pleasure in your own body. Um, you know, like people, you know, one of the things I hear about all the time is the ways that sex and lovership and intimacy and care and relationship happen in those spaces um, because, you know, on one level, there's, it's not like there's a ton of other things to do, right? So I've heard so many times that people are like, I'm, we, I ended up being in a very focused relationship. Um, and the relationship, I tried to create spaces where, you know, I think about my friend Suwatu, who was in prison last year um, on, uh, you know, totally ridiculous charges but she ended up being in prison and having to give birth in prison. And one of the things Mm -hmm. that she worked with other women and mothers in the prison to do um, was to me felt like absolutely a a form of pleasure activism, which is writing poems for and about their loved ones, their babies, their children, and turning those into kites. And they did this whole project uh, that helped bring their voices out of that space and into the public sphere through this kite project. Um, Mm -hmm that was in, you know, in collaboration with complex movements. So to me, there, there's always ways um, to be in those conversations because it really is just like I, I get to be in this body. And while this space wants to turn me into an animal, wants to take away my humanity, any moves that I make to increase my humanity or other people's humanity um, is, is a move towards that, that pleasure activism, that feeling deeply connected and in right relationship. Mm. Yes, And I even think, you know, and I I don't know this for sure, having never uh, been in this position, but I do think there's also the pleasure of righteous protest, you know, when folks actually take a stand and say, we're not going to put up with these conditions any longer, we're hunger striking and the other other pieces. I believe that activism, that kind of deep organizing and action is extremely pleasurable, right? Taking Mm. action that you deeply believe in, um, there's nothing else that feels quite like that when you take that right move, when you do the right move. Yes, because it's so aligned, right? To me, that is a part of what pleasure is about, is aligning, like, my, is like, how can I meet my body and listen and, and, and invite ways to strengthen and become resilient um, in a way to move big energy? And big energy is like my sole purpose moving through me, right? So the more, the more I can align the bigness Exactly, and I tell people that there's, like, moments like that where you'll feel like maybe my whole life was about the right just action that I just took, Right? And yeah. I remember when Sawatu was going in, was looking at going in, and another man in our community 
who had been a part of the prison system at, at different points, who had been locked up, he was like, this might be your greatest purpose, right? You have to consider that the time that you're about to go spend, unless you approach it like a waste of your life or a waste of your time, it doesn't have to be that. This might be the most important thing. Some Those people, those women in there need you. Mm. And it was so powerful, right, to be like, oh, right, like, these things in my life that I think of as the biggest challenges are often also the place where I'm learning the biggest lessons and where I could possibly be, take the greatest risk, be the bravest self. Um, and I feel like especially for those who are imprisoned for political reasons, which I think include nonviolent drug offenses and I think include direct action and protest, um, mm-hmm. you know, I think that those folks, it's like there's a purpose you're serving that is about displaying back to us what bravery looks like and what it looks like to be deeply committed to a cause. Wow. That's just really hearing you share a bit deeper on that and really feeling you, like my body quite literally aligning in this way that that that, that very sense of ecstasy, that sense of pleasure is, is available, right? Like as I sit and feel yeah. and hear you and hold space for that truth that, yeah, well, because, you know, aligning. this month, it's very alive with me this month because this is Black August. And so mm-hmm. in the black communities that I'm a part of, Black August is a month where we honor our political prisoners. And we really think about the sacrifices that they have made that contribute to any sense of freedom or movement that we have today. And it's like, oh, it's only because there were people who were willing to put their lives and their bodies on the line that we have everything we have today. So it's very much, yeah, it's. It's great to be doing this during August and just get to uplift that. I'm like, oh, oh yeah, there's a ton of power and pleasure um, in those in those of our community who are currently behind bars or who served that time. Mm. Thank you so much for sharing that. And, and I will humbly say yeah. that that's the first time I was aware of that and super grateful that we could have this conversation in this month. Like, how profound. Yeah. Um, yeah, what a gift to share that. And um, and to share what, like I said, what I'm experiencing right now and just really feeling um, as I, I feel so present to hearing you and acknowledging the wisdom that's moving through. So it's really great. Um, it's hard to put words to because it's sort of a very embodied experience that I'm having at the moment. So, um, yeah. Feeling so much feeling. Yeah, feelings are everywhere. And and just acknowledging it, like I I also just want to like say like we're allowed to give that space. Yeah, that we do feel. That's my latest mm-hmm. like experiment, you know, with people is to be like I'm having a feeling, and to take the risk of saying that I'm having a feeling, which leads to that follow up question like What is your feeling? You know, like do you need mm-hmm. anything for that feeling? But like for me, often just the first part is the hardest. So like I'm feeling something. This mm-hmm. role, it's not quite ready for words yet, whatever it is that I'm feeling. I don't know. To me, there's always a power in that. And I believe there is. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Hmm. So breath to just give that space. Whew. And, um, yeah, wanting to also... Um, check in with with one more with one more piece. Um, okay. Or maybe maybe more. Maybe it, maybe it's a couple more. We'll see. I don't know. We're just seeing. But th- there's another question that I have. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I'm loving this. Okay. Um, 
What's um, so there's a couple actually. We're here, so I'm in the Detroit area. I, I'm kind of currently planted in between Detroit and Ann Arbor, and I know you're also located or home based in Detroit. And um, I'm curious, as myself and other folk, you know, local folks, what are some local happenings or dreams or visions for the way that, in particular, those of us here in Southeast Michigan can embody pleasure activists? activism, you know, on a more collective, mm. regular scale. Like, what is your, how does your work extend here locally? That's kind of one of my questions. Yes, that's great. Um, I think a couple of things come to mind. One is I've done a few different events here, including most recently a pleasure salon um, at my mm. friend Isabel Moses' home, and it was really beautiful to get to do Um to sit with, it was all women that showed up to the space, all women, and we just sat and talked together about our pleasure, you know, read and talked and dreamed, and it was just like, oh, there's so many people in Detroit who are actually really ripe for these ideas and interested in these ideas. Um, mm-hmm. I, I want to uplift two black-owned businesses that are business efforts that I think are aligned. One of the dispensaries that I got to go to this past week was called Botanics, um, and it's like B-O-T-A-N-I-Q, and it's um, owned by a black woman, and it's a new dispensary in Detroit. And to me, the idea of being able to support a black-owned dispensary business um, yes. in this process of legalization of marijuana is very important. Um, so it brought me immense pleasure to be able to go there, to see that they had a really nice boutique selection of options, and to be able to like put my resources towards a black woman's business here. Um, the other thing that I think is really exciting right now is the Detroit People's Food Co-op. Um, there used to be a food co-op in Detroit. It closed before I ever moved here. Um, it was in, like, the old Chinatown. And now the Detroit People's Food Co-op is developing, and it's going to be in the north end. Um, and it's going to be a full service. Like, it's going to be a grocery store. There's going to be, like, a cafe. There's going to be all these pieces of it. Um, and so right now they're in the, like, gathering resources and gathering members. So um, I think the goal is to get something like 1,200 or 1,500 members by this year. Um, I have become a member. <laughs> so um, uh, yeah. I really I just keep trying to invite anyone who's in the greater Detroit area to consider um, actually, yeah, like, you know, becoming a member of the food co-op. Um, and I think I think you can find them through um, there's a, a Facebook page. So if you watch, if you look for the Detroit People's Food Co-op, um, okay, it's going to be pretty amazing. Um, and I think from there, I think they also have they're launching a website where people can go and donate and support the work. So um, oh, great. there's monthly monthly membership meetings and all of that going on. Um, and I'm, I don't tend to be like, I don't go to meetings a ton, stuff like that. That's not really how I operate. Um, but mm-hmm. I'm really excited from afar and really wanted to just like drive a ton of people into participating. So, yeah. Yeah. That, that's, it's super great to hear you say this. And, and it gets to the thing around food being so important in terms of pleasure and nourishing our bodies and having access to and exactly. the ability to have like local, organic, clean you know, even if not organic, organic practices of, um, of of accessing clean food, like food that's not been, in my opinion, um, 
put through like the the disconnection of food that our big ag has kind of done um big agriculture has done and and unplugging from that has been a huge part of my journey in these past years and so you just you just woke me up i did not even know that this was starting to brew i actually drive into oh Arbor yeah the it's been like developing there. for a while exactly exactly right and it's like clearly we want to have one in detroit yeah and yeah. you know it's been this interesting period where goodwell's had to close you know shortly after whole foods opened up um, and there was another spot like near Whole Foods that also closed down. But, you know, yeah. the idea of having a food co-op in Detroit when there's so much local agricultural effort makes mm-hmm. so much sense. And Ingrid LaFleur talks about this, that, like, pleasure is not just about the moment in time. Like, so it's like if you eat something and then later it disagrees with you, then really was that a pleasure, right? Like, if you know that, right. like, for me, this is always my bout with ice cream is I'm like, I'm enjoying this. But, like, always trying to manage, like, how do I enjoy this to the extent that I don't end up with a hurt tummy? <laughs> right? yeah. Like, yeah. how do I enjoy this like an adult? And <laughs> I think about that, that, like, if the tail of what you're involved in and where you're getting your food from is not a justice tail, um, and it could be, then I think that impacts everything. So it's like, you know, currently I mostly shop at Whole Foods. And so as I'm shopping at Whole Foods, I'm very aware of all the contradictions, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. yeah. And, yeah, and so it feels like this idea of being able to go to some place that's like, oh, this was generated by and is supported by our community. And so I know that the food politic is aligned with my food politic, um, mm. which is a food justice politic, and which also then puts us in right relationships to a just transition, which to me feels like a very, very delightful and exciting, like, thing to participate in, right? It's like, oh, oh we want to move from where we are now to something that feels really exciting and that feels like it's aligned with justice principles. And it's going to take all these small moves, small radical moves. I'm all about small radical moves, small right? Radical moves. So I'm like, yes. if everyone takes small radical moves, we'll be in a small radical situation. Um, mm. And instead, a lot of times people take really big moves that are not radical at all or that move us towards false solutions. And I'm just mm. like, we don't have enough time to waste on stuff that we know is not going to work. The planet requires us to make the real moves, and that, that can be small. Um, this yeah. is a community co-op. It's like there's a small body of people who are driving it, but it's it's beautiful. It's being driven, and there's a lot of people who will benefit from it. Oh, that's just – I'm so grateful to hear this. I, I currently do participate in a CSA that's um, Detroit-based. Oh, great. City, City Commons. Yay. There's a CSA that's City Commons. The, yes, some, yes, yes. That's, that's yeah. great. So that's um, – that's fabulous. And CSAs yeah, are yeah, so good. Great. I always get in a in a in a because of the way I travel. CSAs are always so hard for me because I'm like, okay, yeah, I can't handle a full week you can't of vegetables. Pick. I need three days of vegetables, whatever. <laughs> right. So I'm excited. Yeah, I'm excited. There's cool a option to be like, okay, whenever I need it, I can get it. Um, oh, that's yeah. perfect. Detroit People's Food Co-op. Awesome. Well, great. Um, I want to. Take a breath here, and um, yeah, I want to. I think what I want to do is actually ask one question about um, as we're here on this show around sacred sexuality and pleasure and sexuality yeah. in particular, and even in the realm of sexuality educators. Um, I think mm-hmm. that there are so many of us uh, white sexuality educators that that focus on pleasure without the larger context of social change. And I know for me, like I said, this has mm-hmm. been, 
you know, I'm, I'm feeling like I'm a toddler in the, in the awareness and so learning. So how can mm-hmm. we engage, how can I engage a conversation that, that reveals some of these blind spots and invites us all into this larger awareness um, and collective experience? Hmm. That's a great question. I mean, I think a lot of it is, I think there's that moment of recognizing like, oh, like as a white person, how, you know, my, my, the way privilege works for me is that I'm just going to think I should start it. I should do it. I should, you know, create it, whatever it is. Like that's what privilege allows for is that like I should be the one. And so I think one of the first things is that to turn and sort of question that like, oh, what are the voices I want to uplift? Who is, whose work do I need to center? Like who can I get behind? Who can I support? Who can I learn from? Um, and some of the teachers, folks who I think would do a great job around this, um, Robin D'Angelo has done a lot of really great writing that can help people ter- learn to see and understand mm-hmm. their own white privilege. Um, and mm-hmm. I think does that with a lot of compassion and tenderness, um, which feels important when you are, trying to invite someone to strip away um, the safety of privilege, because I think privilege can feel really safe, even though it's like a false, um, it's a false safety. Um, Mm -hmm. But so Robin D'Angelo does great work. Catalyst Project does great work. It has really great resources, unlike histories of whiteness and white supremacy um, and even patriarchy. And there's a book out um, by Leah Lakshmi Pips in the summer of Sinha that I also think is just a really crucial read um, it's called Care Work, uh, but it's all about disability justice, and I think it really helps people kind of awaken, like, oh, you know, to me so much about disability justice is, like, how do I learn to see what I currently can't see because mm-hmm. it doesn't affect me, right? And mm-hmm. the way that Leah writes about it is so intersectional. It's like there's all these different components um, that lead to what someone's experience of their disability is going to be, but that intersectional way of thinking, I, I think it just helps with understanding how the world works, right? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So those are some pieces of writing that I highly recommend to people. Um, mm-hmm. And and then just like that recognition of like the, the access that I have is not the access that everyone has. So mm-hmm. often when people are coming around with like, here's a recommendation or something, I'm like, do toy giveaways, right? Give stuff away, like help people get access to things that they otherwise wouldn't have access to. Um, rather than just making the recommendation that's like, oh, you know, you should find it. I always do this too. Like if I find a fancy toy, like I really have been in love with this toy. It's called the Womanizer, um, which is a really mm. sexy toy that kind of like wraps around your clitoris and does like a suctioning. And it's just really lovely, especially for folks who are, are like, oh, I really enjoy the feeling of receiving head and would like that feeling more often than I have right now or something. Um, so that one, you know, it's different from that because it's a machine, but it's the closest I've seen to that kind of sensation of just like that cycling in. Um, and it's just really beautiful. So when I found it initially, it was like a hundred something dollar toy. So I was like, I recommend this, but it's expensive. But then a friend of mine found like a cheap $20 version of it by Bombex on Amazon. And I was like, boom, everybody, here's the, here's the plague, right? Like go, you can, we can, it's much more affordable now. And I have so many people who are like, thank you for that. You know, they're just like, I wanted that toy, but I couldn't afford it. And I'm like, there's so many very expensive sex toys out now. If you're like, I really want something that's a good texture for my body and all that kind of stuff. Um, so it's just really helpful when people are like, oh, there's, here's a way. Here's a way. Here's a way to mm. still have access to it. Yeah. yeah. 
Uh, yeah, and you you wrote about that a little bit, I think, or it sounds yeah, I, I think it was in your book. Yeah, mm-hmm. did. Yeah, yeah, I think there's a conversation with the womanizer somewhere in there. <laughs> there is. That, yes, mm-hmm. I'm remembering that now. <laughs> Great. Yeah, I love talking to sex toys. They're smart. <laughs> awesome. Thank you so much. I am just thrilled and honored that we got to share this time and connection time and hear a bit um, of your wisdom and offerings. And I want to, we're going to take a short pause and come back so that we can hear your and be invited through your pleasure meditation. Awesome. Thank you for joining us today. You are listening to Sacred Sexuality with Leslie Blackburn and special guest Adrian Marie Brown. You can support Adrian by becoming a member of her blog at adrianmariebrown.net. That's A-D-R-I-E-N-N-E-M-A-R-E-E-B-R-O-W-N.net and select membership account. Also, become a donor of the Emergent Strategy Ideation Institution. Just go to alliedmedia.org and click on Donate. And also check out her End of the World podcast Patreon page and become a patron at patreon.com slash endoftheworldshow. Leslie Blackburn has a detailed website where you can find radio podcasts, videocasts, and more free resources at leslieblackburn.com. Leslie also offers private sessions and has helped many hundreds of individuals and couples over years on their path of sacred sexuality. Sessions are available either in person or by Zoom, Skype, or phone. See details at the website, again, leslieblackburn.com. And now back to your host, Leslie Blackburn. Mm, Yay. And as we now settle in for our final closing meditation, Adrian, I would love to have you guide us in your pleasure meditation. Awesome. Thank you. Um, So just inviting everyone, wherever you are, to make sure that you're as comfortable as you can be. So making whatever adjustments your body wants. um, Might be just softening your shoulders a little bit more. Um, For me, I often find I'm like, oh, let me put my feet more connected to the ground. Um, And... I tend to rock back and forth on my hips, on my sit bone, until I really get a nice open seat. Um, So just feel the earth underneath your body. Feel gravity underneath your body. And feel the unconditionality of it. Like that relationship is solid. And you're really being held there. And the earth knows exactly what you weigh and what it takes to support you. And just take a deep breath in. And let that out. And keep breathing nice and slow in through the nose. And out through the mouth. And as you're breathing, as you're feeling your connection to the ground beneath you, I want you to bring into your heart one of the last truly pleasurable experiences you had. It might be something that was sexually pleasurable. It might be getting to sit in a bath and read a book. 
might be a dessert or getting to play with group of children. But really let it come into your heart. Like, I felt pleasure. I felt happiness. I felt contentment. I felt joy. I felt aliveness. And bring it right into the center of you, right above that root chakra. Like, oh, I can feel this filling up my pelvis with good memory of pleasure. And I want you to really tune in to all the textures of the memory. So what is the quality of light? What does it smell like? Can you taste anything particular? Or feel a quality of taste like something very cold on a hot day? Something very warm when you're out in the snow? Your pleasure. Listen for the sound. What did that pleasure sound like? Were the sounds external or internal? And what did you see? You see your own solitude, your togetherness, someone you love. Is there something beautiful or something that was made beautiful with your attention? And once you really got it solidly, like, yes, I'm really in this memory, let it fill you up from the center of your body all the way out to the edges so that you are a living embodiment of this pleasure memory all the way down to your toes Curling toes are a sign of pleasure. All the way to the tips of your fingers. All the way out to the tips of your hair feel contentment. And once you have filled up with this, really notice, like, is this a golden light? Is this a warm and fuzzy pink feeling? What is this? What is your pleasure feel and look like inside of your system. Take a snapshot of that. So that's available to you at any time. Right now or in an hour when you start to get stressed again, like how you can return and regenerate, feeling yourself out to the edge, the pleasure that you have experienced in this lifetime. We're going to let that pleasure keep expanding and flowing and take a deep breath into this pleasure body. Mm. Just bring your eyes and your attention back mm. to the space. Mm. Thank you, you so much, Adrian. It was just an honor to explore this today with you. Have a wonderful yeah, rest of your day. Thank you so much for day. having me as a guest. You're you. welcome. Have a great one. Bye. Bye. Thank you for joining us today 
for Sacred Sexuality with Leslie Blackburn. If you'd like to contact Leslie, please visit her website, leslieblackburn.com. And for Adrienne, visit her website, adriannemariebrown.net. Thanks, everyone, for joining us, and have a beautiful day. Join us again next time for continued support on your path of self-realization. The power is within you to heal your body, connect deeply with others, manifest your heart's desires, and experience your deepest bliss. By our healing, we impact others, inspiring love for humanity and the planet. Thank you for joining us for Sacred Sexuality with Leslie Blackburn.